You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples one-inch three-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9 limit 30. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the And Miami hello Dolphins. and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money, joined by Houtua and Sutton, the creepy soccer dad. And we are coming off a huge show last week as we talked about Jarvis Landry and all he brings to the Miami Dolphins and everything that the Miami Dolphins would lose if, if they let him walk. And then we also talked about everything the Miami Dolphins would gain if they let him walk as well. If you haven't checked out that podcast, please do so. It's on iTunes. It's on the Finsider.com. Just search for Finsider Radio. It was a riveting show, riveting topic. We got feedback on the show immediately and for the next several days. Very polarizing figure, very polarizing topic. The week before, we talked about Ryan Tannehill, and this week we're going to talk about yet another polarizing figure in Dolphins history, and also at this current time, and that is Cameron Wake. Before we do get into Cameron Wake, boys, I just want to touch on a few pieces of news here with the Dolphins since we last came on the air. Of course, we know that Dowell Loggins was hired as the offensive coordinator, Clyde Christensen moving into a different role within the organization. Other changes include running backs coach Danny Barrett being fired. A little noise about the running backs not knowing their assignments and really not doing well in pass protection. So the Dolphins interviewed Eric Studsville, the Broncos running back coach who was fired at the end of the season. He also was the interim coach there at one point, and he interviewed most recently for the New York Giants head football coach position, which looks like it's going to Pat Shermer. So at all signs right now, point to Studsville joining the Dolphins unless an offensive coordinator position pops up over the next several days and weeks as head coaches settle into their new teams, especially uh, guys like Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels and Pat Shermer, who are still in the playoffs and could be making it to the Super Bowl. Other news, defensive side of the ball, Lou Anarumo is gone as the defensive backs coach. His assistant is also gone. The Dolphins have two positions open there. Defensive line coach Terrell Williams also out of the picture. Adam Gase will be working to fill those spots. Lots of changes. It looks like Matt Burke might end up being safe. No word officially out of Miami, but there has not been any talk of any guys coming in to replace him either. So at this point, I'm going to go on the assumption that he is safe, and and I think we all can move forward with that as well. Obviously, if news comes out, then news will come out. But I think if Adam Gase wanted to make a change to the defensive coordinator position, he would have done so by now. Most interesting, though, early Wednesday, C.K. Parrott, Chris Kaufman, came out with a piece that said Seattle defensive coordinator, who was just fired, Chris Richard, would make a good fit for a defensive back coach. Chris knows his stuff, so we'll see where that lands. Now, before we, again, jump into Cameron Wake, we just kind of ran through the Dolphins' news. Oh, also Jarvis Landry with the Miami Herald. Armando Salguero dropping a, a big hit article today on Landry in terms of everything he does wrong for the Dolphins. Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post also dropping a similar article. It's clear and evident at this point the Dolphins' front office is leaking this information, either to cover up for themselves when Jarvis Landry does walk and they don't re-sign him, or to try to get Jarvis to bring his price down and to get the fans to get on him even more. We'll see where this all lands, but Jarvis Landry did tweet out shortly after something of the sorts of he takes the high road and he hopes that he will never stoop as low as others. And, of course, he's probably referring to the Dolphins' front office and the reporters and Armando Salguero. Shad released his article a short while later. How Sutton, did you watch football this weekend? And if you did, I mean, it was absolutely insane. I did not expect Jacksonville to come in and score 45 points at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. That was the biggest surprise to me. What a fluke game, that Saints-Minnesota game. I'll never forget that game because I bet on the Saints in that game and lost some money. 
So I will that that game will forever be etched in my memory in a bad way. From a just a pure football standpoint, just some beautiful games to watch this weekend, man. Just great football. Yeah, I agree, Sutton. It was some of the best football you'll see all year. I mean, it's kind of what you expect from playoff games, but uh, that disappointing game was at Tennessee, New England. I mean, no one really thought Tennessee had a chance, but New England went out there and just took care of business. But like you said, that Jacksonville game, I mean, they're the underdogs. Everyone's kind of rooting for them. They want to see them continue to progress and move along throughout this postseason, and that defense is freaking legit. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, I mean, he's given Dolphin fans nightmares that they couldn't find a way to get him in the second round. And then, like you said, that freaking miracle in Minnesota, I mean, that was – I was losing my mind because I thought he caught that pass and he was going to get out of bounds and they're going to have a chance at that field goal. And then he just turns up field and you're just like, what the hell just happened? Like, I just lost my mind. I have a friend who's a Vikings fan. Couldn't be more happy for him. And then living up here in PA, lots of Eagles fans. I mean, no one really gave them a chance against the Falcons. Uh, big Jai fan, as we all know, he went out there, took care of business. He had that fumble, but after that, he kind of took the game over and uh, I'm rooting for the Eagles. I mean, I know that's kind of the hometown team around here. I have a lot of friends who are Eagles fans, family. So, I mean, if they lose, I'm going to rub it in for sure. But uh, I want to see the Eagles take it and bring a Super Bowl to Philly because that, that city definitely deserves it. But I'm a JGI fan, so I'll be rooting for him first and foremost. Uh, if it's up to me, give me a Jacksonville-Philly uh, Super Bowl because that would be amazing. JHI coming out and talking to uh, the Palm Beach Post saying the ultimate revenge for him, the ultimate payback for the Dolphins will not come until he wins the Super Bowl. Obviously, a very big chip on his shoulder since the Dolphins traded him this past October. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough spot for me. I, I don't like to be petty. I don't like to be a hater, but I don't want to see JHI and the Eagles win a Super Bowl. I don't want to see them get to the Super Bowl. I am a full-on Vikings fan on Sunday. I was rooting for the Falcons this past Sunday. I thought that play call at the end of the game was absolutely pathetic by Steve Sarkeesian and Dan Quinn. I mean, you have your season on the line in the playoffs you got the best receiver in football, or one of the best receivers in football, probably Antonio Brown's the best receiver in football, and Julio Jones, and you cut your field in half. Actually, you don't even cut it in half. You cut it in less than half, and you probably give yourself about a quarter of the field to work with. Uh, Matt Ryan immediately rolls out to his right and just starts escaping towards the sideline. Yes, Julio did fall on, on, on his route. I don't know if it would have been complete anyways if he didn't fall because he was very tightly covered. But you're, you're just boxing yourself in. I mean, I thought that was one of the most horrendous calls in NFL history. And that might be a little hyperbole. But when you have your season on the line, I'm not cutting my field into one quarter and leaving it all on the line there. I mean, you got Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman. Put them both in the game. Make the Eagles guess a little bit. You got Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu. I mean, where's the creativity? There is no creativity there. Starkeesian is coming back for another year in Atlanta. And we'll see. I don't know. I just don't think that he's the right fit for Matt Ryan. We saw a drop-off from Matt Ryan when Kyle Shanahan left and went to San Francisco. I think everyone expected that. I don't think everyone expected what this kind of a drop-off would be uh, once the game started going and even towards the end of the season. The Vikings game, as you said, was absolutely insane. Uh, I just started screaming, and my wife was like, what's going on? And the woman never watches football and her t- head was glued to the TV screen for at least 20 minutes, just watching the replays and watching the celebration afterward and everything else. She did make a funny remark. She said, Oh, that guy's going to get all the credit. Isn't he? And they're talking about Stefan Diggs. I'm like, yeah, he is. And, and she was defending case Keenum there. She, she was really all about case Keenum and him getting the right credit. So, but you know, it's the receiver. Although case Keenum made a great throw, but really it was Stefan Diggs and that should have been a tackle but whatever, right? Vikings versus Eagles, Jaguars versus Patriots, go Jaguars. I have been saying for the past two weeks that the Jaguars would be a terrible matchup for the Patriots in terms of the Patriots and how they look at the game. I think they wanted the Steelers because they have their number, and I think the Jaguars are going to make Tom Brady's life a living hell, and I cannot wait to see Tom Brady on the ground for most of the game. Any predictions for those games, guys, coming up this Sunday? I agree with you, Matthew. I love having Jacksonville's defense go against Tom Brady. I think it's a nice blend of what we've seen historically work against Brady, and that's to be able to get after him with the front four. I think they're going to be able to do that with Calais Campbell playing at a high level. Fuck that guy, but Calais Campbell. Um, <laughs> yeah, Yannick, 
Yannick Ngakwe, I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I know I'm not, but uh, one of the, I believe, top 10 in the NFL and sacks. So they're going to be able to get after uh, Tom Brady. So it'll be a matter of when they do have the opportunity to make a play in the backfield, in the secondary rather, are they going to be able to do it? Hopefully they can and they can, can c- control the clock with a running game and make it a short game and go into the fourth quarter. Yeah, for me, I mean, I agree with both of you. Uh, I'm going to make you work a little bit this tonight, Matt, and uh, I'm going to say fuck Calais Campbell as well. Uh, but for <laughs> me, Jacksonville, I think they match up well. We saw what the Dolphins did on Monday Night Football when they played New England. I mean, if you can shut them down with Xavier Howard and the Dolphins front four, there's no reason why Jacksonville can't go out there and just dominate this game on defense. You hope Leonard Fournette can stay healthy and Blake Bortles can just not turn the football over. And then on the other side, I mean, is there more of two two teams that mirror each other more than Minnesota and Philly? I mean, they both have a dynamic run game. They're both great at stopping the run, stopping the pass. Their defenses are great. Uh, those two teams just mirror each other so well, and it's going to be interesting to see how that home field advantage takes its toll and, and whether or not Minnesota is going to be that first team to play at home in the Super Bowl. So two great matchups this weekend. I'm thankful that I'm off, and I'm just hoping to see some good football. Go Jacksonville and NFC, I'm rooting for Philly, but if Minnesota wins, it's going to be one hell of a Super Bowl. You know, I keep going back and forth on this Minnesota thing, but I hate the Eagles, and I don't, I don't, I don't hate them. I just think they're a little cocky. Um, but I keep going back and forth on this Minnesota thing, and we always hear no team has ever played in their own home in the Super Bowl, and Miami being a prime spot for Super Bowls. Yeah, you would want Miami to be the first team in NFL history to play at their home. I mean, the Dolphins seem to be quite a bit off in terms of getting to the Super Bowl, but it could happen one day, considering the amount of times they go to Miami for the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I just, you know, in the same in the same in the same breath, hold on one second. In the same breath, uh, we always hear about it, so it would be pretty freaking cool to see it in our lifetime uh, before the NFL is disbanded and folded up because of pressure from Congress about CTE. But that's another conversation for another day. What were you going to say, Houts? Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is I just hope to see a. Uh a wild card game at home in my lifetime. Cause based on the way things have gone, <laughs> I mean, it's looking pretty right. bleak, bleak for all of us. So just give us that first game at home in the playoffs and Super Bowl will be great. But I'm, I'm just want to see a playoff win. it's, it's been way too long. Yeah, I know. When was the last one for the dolphins back when Lamar Smith, right? Ran wild against the Colts and won the game in overtime. Years that was ago. the one, right? That was the one. We were all little kids. We don't remember any of it. Yeah, I remember a little bit of it, but not 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 totally. You know, Twitter wasn't around. We were sitting there on AAM asking people their age, sex, location. Uh, Sutton was making email addresses with basketball acronyms in it. Um, <laughs> you know, still does actually. That's why we call him the creepy soccer dad. We're gonna start calling him the creepy basketball dad. <laughs> so he blends I, I, in with the young kids. I almost have a starting five. You guys know that. <laughs> All right. One guy who has not played in, in many playoff games is Cameron Wake. And he has only played in in two playoff games in his entire career. And Cam Wake, of course, coming into the league in 2009 as a free agent coming from the Canadian Football League. It's crazy when you think about how long it's been since he was last in the NFL, uh, since he came to the NFL course out of Penn state played a little bit in, in spring training for, or training camp for NFL teams. The New York giants was cut by them. Went to the Canadian football league came to Miami recruited heavily by bill Parcells and the rest, as they say is history. And of course, Cameron wake should no doubt be a first ballot hall of famer. The dude is 35 years old, turning 36 in just a few days. During the 2016 season, not this season, but the season before it, he had one of the most impressive comebacks in the NFL coming off an Achilles injury in 2015. And at 34 years old at that time, he was dominant, posting 11 and a half sacks, which was third in the AFC and tied for sixth in the NFL. The Dolphins, of course, under Adam Gase and Vance Joseph, didn't fully know what Cameron Wake was capable of. They brought him in slowly and then finally inserted him as a full-time starter in week six since then. He is tied fifth in the NFL with 20 and a half sacks 
and has helped Miami win 15 of its last 27 regular season games. Now 35 years old, and again, 36 in just a few days. Wake has 10 sacks this past season and is tied for 20th in the NFL in that stat. Getting that one sack against the Buffalo Bills, he became the 12th player in NFL history since 1982 and just the fourth in the past 15 years to record a double-digit sack season at the age of 35 or older. He was tied for second in the AFC and tied for third in the NFL with five forced fumbles in 2016 as nine forced fumbles since 2015, tied for fifth in the NFL during that span despite playing just seven games in 2015. Cameron Wake is one of the best undrafted pass rushers ever. With 91.5 career sacks, he is second in NFL history since sacks were recognized as an official stat in 1982. For most career sacks by a player who was undrafted, John Randall with 137.5, Cameron Wake with 91.5. John Randall played 13 years of football. Cameron Wake just finished his eighth year of football in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to get to 13 years because of how old he is, but if he did play 13 years as a un, as a uh, undrafted free agent, he definitely most likely would have reached John Randall status. And of course, John Randall has a seat in the Hall of Fame. And that's going to be a discussion point tonight. We're going to d- debate whether Cameron Wake deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And if so, if he deserves to be a first ballot. He's the NFL's best sack artist since he entered the league. His consistency has placed him among the NFL's elite pass rushers since he's entered the league in 2009. Get this, Sutton and Houts. He leads the NFL in sacks. 91 and a half to Marcus Weir with 85. So a little bit of a gap there. He's second to only Jason Taylor in team history. He has compiled five double-digit sack campaigns in nine straight seasons of seven-plus sacks and is second in team history in all-time career sacks. Again, behind Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor with 131 sacks. Cameron Wake with 91.5. Those are just some of the great accomplishments that Cameron Wake has achieved throughout his NFL and Dolphins career. The Miami Dolphins being the only team he's ever been with. And it looks like he will retire a Miami Dolphin. Maybe. We'll discuss whether he should or not. But Sutton, I know you've been doing your research on stats and sacks and, and snaps and everything else. What can you add to the conversation for this? I A, yes, I think Cam Wake is a Hall of Famer. The reason I don't I'm, – I'm a little hesitant on him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And fair or unfair, he's just really quiet. And there's not a whole lot of like – sexiness to him or anything like that he's just kind of a humble blue collar guy that goes out and does his job and stays out of the limelight and reasons I think that's why he's really endeared by this fan base is he's just he's that he's that hard-working guy that doesn't seem to exist anymore in a generation of divas we still have this guy bringing his lunch pail so to speak into the locker room and doing his job but I think that makes him not as known outside of this fan base. So I think that's probably going to work against him a little bit, whether that's fair or not. Um, and he just hasn't played on Dolphins teams that have had team success. So again, that works against him from a notoriety standpoint. So you could have those things working against him to be a, a first ballot hall of famer, but I think eventually he gets in there and, shouldn't be in the Dolphins uh, ring of is it the ring of fame ring of honor I'm the, not really the, ring, yeah, of ring of honor, honor. Yeah, yeah the ring of honor he'll, he'll unquestionably be added to that list yeah I completely agree he's definitely going to be added to the ring of honor I mean you look back on it this guy came out of Penn State undrafted no one gave him a chance and he goes to CFL and kind of tears things up Jeff Ireland spots him the Dolphins outbid a few teams to get him. And, I mean, Cameron Wake's just been consistently a monster in the past game. He's just an absolute menace when getting to the quarterback. And, I mean, you look at what he's done over his career, 324 total tackles, 91 and a half sacks. Eight out of his nine seasons, he had seven sacks or more. I mean, Cameron Wake, he is a monster. He did say, mention how he's uh, a bit quiet and how that might be 
might go against him, but I mean, he's a Miami Dolphin. I mean, this team's been nothing but mediocre over the last decade or so, and you kind of can't blame Cameron Wake for that. If he was on a consistent playoff contender, I mean, he would absolutely, in my opinion, be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, you see a guy like Zach Thomas, he's kind of getting the same thing. He's one of those players that is completely underrated, completely does his job, just a complete monster. And I mean, if you look at him and you say, okay, he doesn't deserve a first ballot Hall of Fame, and maybe we're, we as Dolphin fans, we're a little biased towards that. I'm not quite sure if Zach Thomas doesn't get in there right away, if Cameron Waite can. So will he eventually be in the Hall of Fame? The homer in me says yes. Whether or not those who do the voting agree with that, I'm not sure. But Cameron Wake, he's a monster. I'm happy to have him on my team. And I think uh, you look at the success. I mean, I know Andre Branch, he had an offseason last year. Look what Charles Harris did. He didn't have those mind-blowing stats that some fans might want to see, but at the end of the day, those players developed, and you got to kind of think that Cameron Wake had a lot to do with that. So when you see the Andre Branch that first year with Miami, what he did, you got to attest that to Cameron Wake because before coming to Miami, uh, he was he was a nobody. He was a draft bust that Jacksonville gave up on, and he came in here. You got to think Cameron Wake helped groom him. Cameron Wake helped groom guys on the defensive line. You saw him take Charles Harris under his wing this season. And you just got to think that maybe he's not the most vocal leader. He's not that guy that goes out there and just – you know, gets in players' faces. But Cameron Wake leads by example. And if it were up to me, I mean, I know he's turned 36 at the end of the month. I, I'd absolutely take one. I'd absolutely take 53 freaking Cameron Wakes on my team. So first battle Hall of Famer, not sure. But I'm happy to have him as a Dolphin. And I absolutely think he'll be in the ring of honor when everything's said and done. Oh, he is a surefire Dolphins ring of honor candidate. As soon as the Dolphins will can make him one, I don't know if there's any rules regarding that in terms of whether it's an internal rule of how long they have to wait. But if there's no rule, he is in that ring of honor the year after he retires. Definitely the season. Obviously, the Hall of Fame, I believe it's five years you have to wait um, to become eligible. And we will discuss that a little later on in the show. But for me, I, I do think he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Because I mean, undrafted free agent and, and everything else to go along with it. But we will, like I said, we will discuss. All right, so we're going to break this up into a few sections here. We're going to talk about three things. One, we're going to talk about restructuring him. Two, we're going to talk about cutting him. Three, we're going to talk about re-signing him. Actually, we do four. No, three. Restructure, cut, trade. Those are the three options on the table with Cameron Wake. I guess the fourth one is keep him at his current salary. Let's start with restructuring. Cameron Wake is signed through the 2018 season. His cap number is currently set at $8.625 million. You cut Cameron Wake before June 1st, you have $500,000 in dead money. You save $8.12 $8.12 million. You restructure him. You add a year or two onto his contract. You probably lower his cap number in, cap number in half by this year. So you bring that down to about $4 million or so, another $4 million next year. And then you figure out the ramifications after that. So, Health, we'll start here with you. I know you kind of need the whole conversation to kind of pull it all together. So let's actually do it that way. Let's, let me take a step back here. You can restructure him and come out with that outcome. You can trade him if you trade Cam Wake. Same type of deal with the money. 500000 in dead money, 8.12 in the cap savings. If you extend him, you can extend him another year or two. You have to figure out that those finances there. But again, 36 years old, how long is he going to stay up? And how long is he going to contribute to the team? So looking at those numbers and look, talking about everything that we put on the table just a few moments ago, how, what are you doing with Cameron Wake? All right, those are a lot of options. My little brain really can't digest That's all that. That's you handle at once? Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm going to do my best. Uh, ultimately, I mean, if you try to restructure me, 36 years old, you, you got to kind of think he's looking for that last paycheck. I think you got to be happy with where his current salary is. So I'm not quite sure he does that restructure. I'm, I know he's loyal to the Dolphins, their fan base, but 
if you're Cameron Wake, what benefit do you have to restructure, continue to play your ass off for a team who is going to win eight to ten games next year? So for me, ultimately, as much as it hurts me to say it, we went down. We said about how he has 91 and a half sacks, 324 tackles, first ballot Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor, all these accolades. But at the end of the day, he's not going to win a playoff game here in Miami. As much as it pains me to say that, I, I want to see Ryan Tannehill come back healthy. I'm just not sure this team's ready to make that next step. And even when we do make it to the playoffs, who's to say they're going to win? So for me, uh, we're doing him a favor if we try to trade him. Yes, we're going to get a draft pick in return. Uh, we shed all that dead money off. Of, I think you said it was eight point some million dollars that we'd, we'd save if we moved Cameron Wake. So for me, I think that's your best bet. You move to a contender, a team that needs that extra pass rusher. Uh, but ultimately, that comes down to compensation. You see what a young guy like J.H.I., I know it's a running back position. They're not quite valued as much as maybe a pass rusher, but you take a 25, 26-year-old running back and you compare it to a 36-year-old defensive end and with one year left on his deal, which would be the 2018 season. And it's hard to say what he netted at the return. I mean, Jason Taylor a couple years back, I think we got a second for Washington. You're not getting a second for Cameron Wake. Fourth rounder is probably your best bet, maybe a fifth. And then you got to kind of look at that. Is is it worth moving Cameron Wake and having that hole there on the defensive line? Uh, those are all things I'm toying with in my head right now. But ultimately, if you can trade Cameron Wake and get a draft pick, move him to a contender, benefit him in the long run, I think that's what you do. But if you're only getting a fourth or fifth round pick, I mean, then you got to heavily consider your options. And then it all comes down to salary cap. If you're telling me, do I move Cameron Wake? for a fourth or fifth rounder so I can re-sign Jarvis Landry. I think I do just because Cameron Wake has, is 36 years old and you got to give him a new contract if he plans to stick around. So he, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to money. It always does. And I guess looking at it that way, Jarvis Landry, Cameron Wake, all these other guys that they want to re-sign, all these guys in free agency they might want to bring in and kind of mimic what Jacksonville did last offseason. I think you move him regardless of the compensation. So for me, trade Cameron Wake. I'll have to disagree with Houts in one major respect in that what this playoffs have told me is that it reminds me is that this is a league driven on parity. So I'm not willing to write this team off. I think we can win a playoff game even as early as next year. Who the hell knows? But I know what House is trying to say. Show our gratitude to Cam Wake in some way. I know it sounds convoluted to say that when – we've been paying him millions of dollars all this time, but you know, that's why this is such a hard decision for me because there's so many things that go into this and it's not all just about what's happening. Then, you know, or, you know, in the box score, all that kind of stuff. Cause we're talking about a dude who's really been through it all with the dolphins, been through the whole gamut of stuff. So he's seen, He's been with us for a long time and been a productive, productive person and a great person off the field. And I just don't, I cannot see the Dolphins just straight up releasing him. I just think that would be a PR nightmare that they don't want to get themselves into. If anything, they mutually agree to part ways or some BS like that or Whatever, but I, I don't think they're going to just straight up cut him. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't see it happening. They've went to him before and asked for a restructure. I believe it was in 2015, maybe 2016, and he declined and the team paid him. So it's, and that's not to say that he wouldn't restructure going into this year. Maybe it's a new dynamic going into this kind of contract talk. But what we've seen, you know, if, if you're approaching this from a numbers standpoint, we're 0 for 1 in that category, asking him to restructure, we're 0 and 1. So I don't know that that's a likely scenario either. I doubt there's a trade market other than maybe maybe a couple of teams. And I think the compensation would be lukewarm at best, just He's old, guys. I mean, I know it's Cam Wake. Here's what I want to say. The fact that we're even having this debate about a 36-year-old defensive end is a testament to Cam Wake. Can we agree on that? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, 
I mean, 36 years old, and it's pretty much a coin flip of whether we want to pay him a lot of money to play another year for us. So kudos to him for even putting himself in the situation. And when you guys got those snap count numbers for me, I was kind of surprised that he was number one in snaps for us this year. So maybe it's not that far-fetched that he would be with us next year. The Dolphins could let his contract expire through 2018, right? They could pay him the eight point something million this year and then reevaluate him at the end of the year. I mean, at 30, he would be 36 in a few days. He's going to be playing the 2019, 2018 season. Sorry. At the age of 36, he'll be 37 going to 2019. Is a team really going to take a chance on a 37 year old? defensive end i mean the only way that i see that happening is if a team that's really really close to the super bowl and cameron wake comes in as a situational pass rusher because at this point in his career that's all he is i mean we saw him get washed out on plenty of running plays this past season where he can't even get near the ball carrier he's just washed in that regard he is a pure pass rusher in my opinion at this point in his career would Cameron Wake even want to go to a new team? Maybe to chase that Super Bowl ring that has eluded him throughout his career. I mean, it's possible he could sign up for a team. I doubt he would go to the Patriots, but let's say the Texans are coming back strong, right? They got J.J. Watt, Davion Clowney, Deshaun Watson back in the groove. They can make some noise in the playoffs next year. He had him to that pass rush. That'd be a little bit scary. Uh, any other team that's out there, let's say the Falcons, uh, maybe the Seahawks, if they rebuild in one year, perhaps the Jaguars. Again, if they get themselves a real nice quarterback, that defense is going to be elite for n- numerous years with all those young players. So it's possible that he doesn't even want to sign an extension or restructure. It's possible that he wants to finish out this year's contract and perhaps go to a contender and try to get that ring in his last year in the NFL. We don't know what Cameron Wake thinks or wants. We can only guess what he thinks or wants, and we can only hypothetically say what the Dolphins should do with his contract. For me, uh, you know, it's so tough because, yes, he's good. Yes, he's dominant when he's pass rushing, but we saw him lose a step this year. I mean, it is what it is. The guy is a freak of nature, yes, but I thought he did lose a step. And if he's on the field in what the Dolphins think are pass rushing situations, let's say a third and eight or a third and seven, and they do decide to either throw a screen or run the ball for some reason, and Cam Wake is on the field, well, he becomes a liability in that regard. So for me, no, I don't cut him. Don't ever outright cut Cameron Wake. Like you guys said, that's a PR nightmare. I don't restructure. I consider the idea of trading him, but again, when you look at trading him, I mean, really, what compensation do you think you're going to get for a 36-year-old player in his last year of his contract, unless you're right on the verge of a Super Bowl? I let him play out his contract and then go from there. But what do you think he would get for trade compensation? Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, you look at what JHI netted a fourth-round pick from Philly. Uh, you just look around the league, and these these owners, these GMs, they value draft picks way more than they have in years past. I mean, I remember decades ago, when I mean, I mean, you look back at what Trent Richardson netted. Didn't the Colts give up a first-round pick for him, if, I, if I'm not mistaken? And I mean, Trent Richardson's ass. He, he was a terrible player, and Freaking Jim Irsay, the drunk man that he was, he gave up a first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you look at how far we've come, teams value those draft picks. You give up a Pro Bowl, whatever that might mean, running back in JGI for a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, you got 36-year-old Cameron Wake, 91-and-a-half sacks, 324 total tackles. You send him to a contender. I mean, they might give you a fourth-rounder or, or a fifth-rounder with a, the comp – compensatory pick that could maybe go up to a fourth rounder depending on what 10 sacks I mean that's your best case scenario in my opinion I don't see any team doing that I think a fifth or sixth round pick is what you're going to get for Cameron Wake at eight million dollars uh 36 years old it's it's just hard I mean you look at that that's a tough thing to to have on your books come next season but like Sutton said like we've talked about throughout this 
broadcast. I mean, he was he had the most snaps by any of the Dolphins defensive end. He's been our most successful pass rusher for a decade. Uh, it's kind of hard to give him up for a fifth or sixth round pick. So I was teetering a little bit earlier when you guys were talking about it, when I was talking about it, and I still am. I'm, I'm fighting it. I mean, ultimately, you want to see Cameron Wade go to a team to compete, get that chance to win a ring, which – I mean, who who knows what could happen? He could go to a team that could have a Super Bowl run. He could win a ring, go out in the sunset, or he can stay here and try to compete because, like Sutton said, anything can happen any year. You see what Jacksonville did with Ryan with a healthy Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I keep saying that I, I want to draft quarterback, but Ryan Tannehill's the real deal in my opinion. You got him, you sure up that defense, and there's no reason why this team can't make a run like Minnesota or Philly or Jacksonville. So, uh, Cameron Wake, in my opinion. Fifth or sixth round pick, I, I'm not sure you can do it for, for the $8 million that you would get in cap hit. So uh, fifth or sixth round pick. Yes, yeah, and uh, what do you think? But, Houts, I do agree with you. I don't think you're getting more than a fifth round or a sixth round pick for Cameron Wake. But, Sutton, what are your thoughts on that? I'd say the compensation probably have to actually be a little bit lower, if anything, just because of how expensive his contract will be to whatever team he goes to. I think they would have to offset whatever team was asking for him. They would probably ask maybe a conditional seventh-round pick. I mean, whatever minimal draft compensation would be offered. Just because of how expensive he would be to acquire him from said team. I don't know that a a situational pass rusher is not going to be worth – eight and a half million dollars in my opinion i haven't seen that yet but maybe a team that like you said is that close to the cusp of a super bowl that maybe they are willing to shell out those dollars to to get over the hump you never know uh, i just don't I, I would would be lower just because of the contract number but one thing we haven't touched on that we have to factor into this whole conversation is charles harris is he ready to take over number one snap duties? I would hope so, draft pick, and I hope he's ready to take on every down snaps. And is it worth it to spend a little money to keep Cam Wake, even known that his play and his production may not be justified by the, by the financial numbers that were given him? Is it worth to shell out some of those extra dollars to have him in the locker room with Charles Harris for another year? You have to consider that. That's one of the questions that was asked on the Finside Rail mailbag, or at least something similar to that. 39 is number one, says Harris is a right defensive end. So unless Miami moves him to the left side, he will not be replacing Wake. With that in mind, my question is, who does Miami have to replace Wake on the left side? And if the answer is no one, then who are we going to get to replace him? I mean, that kind of ties into each other because you look at Charles Harris, right? He's a right defensive end. You look at the other guys, I mean, Andre Branch is nothing special. Um, you got Terrence Fade, who's just been kind of teetering as a special teams player. You might have a surprise in Malvo, the guy who was uh, coming around late in the season. But to your point, Sutton, do you keep Cameron Wake around to mentor Charles Harris and maybe teach him the ropes of the, of the left side? I mean, do you think something like that would work? It's possible. I mean, I don't want to throw too much at Charles Harris that's going to overwhelm him. I know that's a tricky balance to walk there, but what you're alluding to is when you have Andre Branch and looking to maybe get out of his contract after the 2018 year, I believe that's when we can get out of his contract and be able to save some some money. Um, And then you only have Fide back there. We could re-sign William Hayes for, for his niche role, which I think he played well. But again, he's getting up there. I really look at defensive end and looking at that draft coming up. A day one or day two investment on defensive end. Don't sleep on that at 11. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this team needs to find a defensive end, whether or not they let Cam wait, they walk or they cut him or trade him, whatever they may do. The Dolphins need another defensive end in that rotation. Uh, we saw some dude punch a hole in his wall when Charles Harris was picked. That might have been a bit premature, but Harris is <laughs> continuing to develop. He's coming along just fine. I think next season he'll take another step in the right direction. Like Sutton said, Andre Branch, I mean, that first year, I mean, he, he looked decent, but then they gave him that big contract, and you're just starting to realize he's not quite worth that money. So 
for me, defensive end is absolutely a position of need. The Dolphins are going to absolutely look towards that, whether it's in the draft or maybe in free agency. Uh, and that's whether or not Cameron Wake stays or goes, because you see with the teams in the playoffs now, that pass rush, that's secondary. That's what shuts teams down. And your pass rush, if you can get to the quarterback constantly, you consistently get there and, and pressure the quarterback, that helps the secondary out immensely. So that's why you see these teams having such success in the playoffs. And that's what Miami needs to continue to mimic if they want to make a run next season. The trade conversation at talk, Dolphin Joe referred to that on the Finside of Rail mailbag. One crazy thought that uh, Christopher Jensen says, any thoughts on the possibility of perhaps either filling the recent firing of the head trainer, his position, or leaving it open as a possible position for Cameron Wake to consider when he eventually retires? Uh, I think that's a little crazy, Chris. So I don't think the Dolphins are going to leave that position open for Cameron Wake to take over as he – as he. Uh, I mean, Cameron Wake taking care of his own body is one thing. Cameron Wake taking care of 53 other bodies is a completely different thing, and you probably need to have some medical school experience to be in that position, I would assume. And uh, he does ask some questions about some draft prospects. Chris, we're not going to get into that right now. I know everyone wants to talk draft right now since the Dolphins season is over, but that is not the time for us right now. So, you know, it comes down to whether or not the Dolphins believe Cameron Wake can be that guy to take the field and continue to produce at a high level. You know, I said it, I think that his best days are behind him, of course, and I think he is best used as a situational pass rusher at this point in his career. The Dolphins have not been good at giving out contracts, and we could probably look to Mike Tannenbaum for that. I mean, you look at Kiko, you look at Andre Branch, you look at other guys, and you say, well, what was he thinking? The last thing you want to do is restructure Wake, pay him another couple million dollars next year when he's not really producing for you. Again, I think you eat his contract this season. If you get good compensation for him, if you get a third-round pick for Cameron Wake, I'm pulling that trigger on draft day. I'm sorry. It's a business, and are the Dolphins going to win a Super Bowl next year? I don't think so. I think they have a good chance to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl. Is Cameron Wake going to put them over the top? No, I don't think so. Someone else will, but it's not going to be Cameron Wake, at least in my opinion. But let me let me hit on this one point here. I see a lot of people on Twitter saying that Dolphins don't deserve Cameron Wake and Dolphins fans don't deserve Cameron Wake. I think that is one of the most ridiculous statements that I see all the time. Why don't the Dolphins deserve Cameron Wake? Why don't Dolphins fans deserve Cameron Wake? Just because Dolphins fans want to complain and moan and cry about a lot of different things, and it's not all Dolphins fans. It's a small percentage, but the small percentage always speaks the loudest. But I just don't get that. I mean, yeah, you want to see a guy and be happy for a guy and have him go out and win some playoff games and compete for a Super Bowl. But to say that Dolphins fans don't deserve Cameron Wake, I think it's just an insult to yourself and to other Dolphins fans and to the entire organization. I just don't understand it. And maybe one of you have a different viewpoint on that, but I can't grasp my head around that concept where we don't deserve someone like that, so get rid of him. I mean, the whole point is to accumulate good players and to make a run at the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Getting rid of Cameron Wake is getting rid of a good player. Yes, I just said I pulled the trigger on round three compensation for Wake because it is a business at the end of the day, and I think you get a good player at round three. But otherwise, to just outright cut him, I think it's just asinine, and I don't want to hear people say the Dolphins don't deserve Cameron Wake. Your thoughts, Sutton and Houts? Uh, you know, it's just, like you said, it's that sect of Dolphins fans that's just super self-deprecating and super sarcastic in a really negative way and, like, and a not funny way either. <laughs> like, if you're going to be sarcastic, be funny about it at least. I mean, right. this is both sar- sarcastic and not funny. And like you said, we had one of the best ever lace him up. So I know eventually we're going to have some good players and it's going to, we're going to combine them with other good players and we might actually have a great team and make some noise eventually. But, you know, I was a Dolphins fan after Dan Marino retired. I'll be a Dolphins fan after Cam Wake is no longer Miami Dolphin. And I see yep. no, no point in saying what we 
do and do not deserve and everything. We're just fans. We just, we just do what we do. We don't deserve, deserve bad things either. We're just fans of this team and what happens happens. And I'm going to appreciate those great players that play on our team. I'm going to hope that they're on our team as long as possible. Yeah. I think we're all diehard fans. We all wear dolphins gear daily throughout the week and, to sit here and say that this team or us as fans, we don't deserve a guy like Cameron Wake. I mean, that just seems crazy to me. Uh, every fan base has those players that are just elite that, you know, you, you wish you could see more from them. You wish you could see them go on and do bigger things. And and that's that's how it is with Cameron Wake. But you sit here and say the Dolphins don't deserve a player like him. I mean, you go down the roster and, and name off a dozen players who have great talent that that maybe teams don't deserve for one reason or another. So to say we don't deserve Cameron Wake, I don't think that's true. But to sit here and say that you won't mind seeing if the Dolphins do move on from Cameron Wake, going and seeing him, you know, play for a Minnesota or Philly to, ne- this weekend and, and getting a two or three sacks and, you know, just seeing him do that Cameron Wake celebration. I mean, that's not too far-fetched in my opinion. I mean, to see him there on Championship Sunday, NFC Championship game, getting a game, game-ending game sack, I mean – what would make you feel more happy than to see that? I mean, I know everyone doesn't like JGI, so if he broke off like a, a game-winning touchdown run, it won't quite be the same thing. But uh, I do think Cameron Wake deserves a playoff win. I do think he deserves a chance at the Super Bowl. But whether or not the Dolphins don't deserve a player like him because of how great he's been and how consistent he's been, that's bull to me. You know, that, that's kind of the rundown on Cameron Wake. There's not more – to it than other than that, you know, you got those options. I know it's been a hot topic amongst Dolphins fans as to what to do with Cameron Wake, restructure, cut, extend, trade, those options there. And it looks like we're all on the same page where you got to keep Cameron Wake, but if the right price comes along, you're looking to trade him as well. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And we'll see how the Dolphins approach this situation. They may need money and free agency, so they may look to the restructuring routes. But at the end of the day, it's not our decision. We can only hope and think what we say the Dolphins should do. All right, before we close out the show, let's jump back over to the Finside Real Mailbag. We have a few other questions not related to Cameron Wake. We're just going to run through right now. Going Berserk asks, and this is for you, Houts, who do you believe can replace Jarvis Landry in the slot that is currently on the team? At first, I thought Jakeem has speed, but might get blown up in the middle. Maybe we should look at Drew Morgan from the practice squad. He's like an Edelman clone. Damn, I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think you should replace Jarvis Landry with anyone. Uh, maybe if Jesus Christ comes back down to this earth and, and wants to play a wide receiver <laughs> for the Dolphins, then maybe you let Landry walk. But if we're being honest, uh, you kind of hope Carew takes that next step. I mean, and we've been saying that since the Dolphins traded up for him. Haven't seen anything out of him. Jakeem Grant seems to be able to, you know, turn those freaking bubble screens that we've been having so much success or, or not these last two, three years. He seemed to be a plays there. He seemed to be be a big play threat like kind of like a Tyreek Hill or or any of those guys so I mean maybe Jakeem Grant but uh one name that I know Sutton and I are both pretty high on you two cannot I, Isaiah Ford I mean he was one of those guys that was hing- hinged on the roster you weren't quite sure if he's going to make the team and then he did and he got hurt so I think a guy like Isaiah Ford one of those more underrated receivers I, I know he's the best player available when Miami took him I, I know you constantly said that uh, Canada. So for me, I'd say Isaiah Ford. That's a name to look out for. Kind of hope Crew makes that that statement next season. Uh, otherwise, I mean, he, he's definitely a draft bust. And Jakeem Grant, we saw flashes from him. So Grant, but I'm I'm going to say Isaiah Ford. All right, so I'm going to throw this one to you. What are you hearing about Jarvis Landry? He seems pretty pissed about Armando's article on Wednesday. Is he gone, or can the relationship be salvaged? Also, would you franchise him then trade him? Uh, you know what, again, wish I was a fly in the wall in headquarters, but I have no idea how much smoke and how much fire is there right now. I, what I can say is that each and every year we see in front offices clash seemingly with really high emotions and then they sign their contract, they come in for training camp and it's all business as usual. So, uh, it's probably going to take a lot longer than we want it to take as fans though. 
I do think it's going to play out. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a decision by the start of the new year. I think we'll see the franchise on him, and then the Dolphins will go from there. Maybe they'll get good compensation for him. Remember, he was being shopped at the draft and at the trade deadline, despite what you've heard publicly from the Miami Dolphins. It is fact. And perhaps they have a wink-wink non-deal in place with one of those teams that they were looking to shop him to. And it seemed like the trade was going to go through at the trade deadline, as we talked about two weeks ago, or last week, I should say, with Jarvis Landry, until it fell apart for whatever reason. So, I don't know. That's going to be very interesting to watch play out and to see where he ultimately ends up, whether it's in Miami or somewhere else. And if it is somewhere else, how he ends up there. How quick would question. you extend, Jordan? I just have a yeah, quick go question. Ahead, Can the Dolphins still trade Jarvis Landry? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't no, sure. No. No, no, he's an unrestricted free agent. You can't trade. All right. Yeah, that's what I was kind agent. of leaning that, but I, I've heard mixed things, so I wasn't sure if anyone oh, had Oh, like a... currently at this current moment. No, no one can trade okay. anyone until the that's start right. of the new league year anyways right now. If they <laughs> franchise him, yes, they can trade him. Yeah, you see people right. on Twitter talking Not about right now. trade Jarvis Landry for, and I'm just thinking, I'm pretty sure you can't trade a guy at this point. So I just want to clarify and just make yeah, sure. Yeah, not that. right now. Yeah. It would need to okay. be at the start of the new league year. All right. And they would need fault. to franchise him. Okay. Yeah. All right. How's this question is for you from Brad Finn. Would you extend Jordan Phillips this year to be Sue's replacement next year? And then it's a two part question. Who do you pick at 11 if there are no QBs available? We might want to pass on the draft talk for now. We're going to pass on draft talk because I'm just going to say Raquan Smith or Quentin Nelson if there's no quarterback there. But for me, Jordan Phillips, uh, the guy took strides this year, made strides. I know he's going to be a lot cheaper than the Dominican Sue, but. I mean, when we signed Sue, everyone, oh, man, you're giving him that big contract. It's never going to work out. Miami's going to be crippled for years. Maybe the salary cap hasn't quite been what we thought, but Ndamukong Sue's been a freaking monster. He's been everything this team has signed up for. And if you can prolong his uh, – him hitting free agency, if you can prolong him and leaving this team, I mean, you do that. If you need to restructure, I know that we already did that once, and I'm not quite sure with the numbers. I'm, I'm no mathematician how that worked out for this team as far as financially this season or even the next one. But – Ndamukong Sue, he's one of the top three defense tackles in the NFL. He he makes that defensive line so much better. And if you think for a second that you're going to get rid of Ndamukong Sue and replace him with Jordan Phillips, you're out of your freaking mind. I mean, Devon, Devon Godshell, <laughs> you see Vincent Taylor making strides, but there ain't none of those guys that are going to replace Ndamukong Sue. He makes everyone around him better. So I don't think there's any way in hell you can replace Ndamukong Sue. So you just continue to, to, to restructure him. You just continue to assign to a long-term deal. You do whatever you can because – uh, when the contract was signed, everyone was up in arms about it. But right now, he's what making top five money, if that. And that's he, he's been playing out of his mind. He hasn't missed a game yet. Do whatever you can to keep Indominus Sue in Miami for for years to come. All right, uh, so, and this one's for you from CG Rogue. Is guarded eleven insane? Ugh, insane's not the right word. Would it be a stretch? Yeah, by most teams' boards and how they stack them, I think guard would be uh, a guard at eleven would be extremely high. However, we did have that year. Cooper was drafted as a guard by the Cardinals, maybe like in the maybe pick eight somewhere in there, and then there's another dude right after him got picked. Guard, I believe uh, it was that big dude out of Alabama. Um, uh, Chase Warmack, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that dude. Big old, big old beefcake. Uh, he got drafted in the top 10, maybe top 10, top 11, top 12, somewhere in there. So there is some minor historical precedent there. I don't think when you look at the holes on the team and you look at the impact of the positions where the holes are, I don't see guard up there. I'm leaning more towards defensive end somewhere on the front seven. So I'm looking at defensive end or even linebacker would make more of an impact than drafting Quentin Nelson. It would be, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Quentin Nelson on the team though, because uh, wow. Watching some of his tape, he is ridiculous. Yeah, that is the one guy that I think everyone agrees would be worthy of a top 10 or 11 pick there, but it's a guard at the end of the day. Is a guard going to help you win football games? That is the age-old question for me. And again, as I've stated many of times on this show, best player available no matter what. All right, how is this one's for you from Wild Zion Beaver or Wiki? Yeah, Wild Zion Beaver. Will our middle linebacker with our middle linebacker, Raekwon McMiller, 
Will he recover sufficiently for our taste, or will we need another high pick on a linebacker? Uh, I am a Raquel McMillan truther. I think he is one of the best players we took in recent memory in any position. So for me, I'm a huge Raquel McMillan fan. I think he's going to be everything that we 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 want at that middle linebacker position. But does this team need to spend a high pick? I absolutely think so. I mean, Kiko Alonso, while he's a great tackler, he's suitable in the run game. He's awful in coverage. Lawrence Timmons, I mean, he may as well have stayed AWOL. He may as well just have stayed in Pittsburgh this season because he really never did much. And then you got those guys, Stephon Anthony, Chase Allen, Mike Hall. Those guys are always those fringe guys. They can develop, but I'm not going to put my money or this team's success in their hands. So for me, I think this team needs to draft a linebacker within the first three rounds. Uh, a guy like Raquan Smith, is it Trent Edmonds that people are typing up a lot, the the linebacker from, I believe, Virginia, Virginia Tech. So, I mean, this team, they, they have options there. And whether or not they go that route in the first, second, or third round, I think they absolutely have to because that was the weakest unit on the defensive side of the football. And whether or not you get Raekwon McMillan back, I, I think a healthy Raekwon is going to be an elite player. But you need to do better if you want to compete with some of those teams in the AFC East. And in my opinion, let me jump in real quick and back to UMC Money. I feel like at the linebacker group, and I know we'll talk about this at some show here in the near future, but I think the weak side linebacker is the one position that I'm really worried about. I think we have enough bodies and enough complementary pieces to do middle linebacker, and that's including Ray Quan McMillan. And I think we have enough pieces to even fill in for strong side linebacker, but I do not feel comfortable at all with what we have at the will position and being able to cover those tight ends, those running backs coming out of the backfield and being able to cover more space. We don't have that guy on that roster. Stefan Anthony showed a couple of flashes last year, but like how it said, we can't bank on that. So I'm looking for an investment there. I don't know if Roquan Smith is that player. I didn't watch him enough to know if he could play at will. But if we're talking about linebacker investments, I want a will. All right, we have one on Twitter from my boy Rob Caruth. Caruth. All right. <laughs> Are these moves in the coaching staff being made by Gase alone, or is he getting pressure from above? I do think he's making these alone. I do think he may be getting pressure from others, but I think he might be holding firm specifically at the defensive coordinator position. Again, we're going to have to see how that all shakes out, but I'm going under right now the assumption that Matt Burke is safe. But I think the other ones, if you look at it, Terrell Williams and Anarumo were both holders from the Joe Philbin era. I think it was obvious that Clyde Christensen wasn't getting the job done. And interesting enough, Clyde Christensen didn't really work with Gase. He was just recommended by Peyton Manning. So they don't really have too much of a history there. And if Eric Studsville is available, you're going to take your buddy and one of your best friends over the guy you currently have on the team. So, I mean, all the moves make sense. It's not like there's some out of left field where you wouldn't expect it from Adam Gase. They all make very, very much sense. And, and I think he's acting alone on this. All right. So anything else, boys, that you want to add it before we sign off the air for this week? Go Jaguars. That's right. Go Jags. Go away. All right. That's going to do it for this week on Finsider radio. We talked a bunch about cam wake. We've all agreed that we, the Dolphins should keep Cameron Wake unless the price is right and they get blown away with some trade compensation during the draft season. Otherwise, Cameron Wake, let him play out his contract in 2018, see where the chips fall from there. He still has some gas left in the tank, obviously not the guy he once was, but still contributes enough to be a impact player on this Miami defense. And while not a vocal leader, he does provide that steady hand in the Dolphins locker room for the young guys on the defensive line. And of course, a great mentor for guys like Charles Harris and Jordan Phillips and the others. For Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, and yes, Sutton, the basketball dad as well, the creepy basketball dad, and a house you are and house straight Thomas. I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next week.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and 3 activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.